Beloved by God Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm with the confessions of our mouth the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful for your holy name, for the privilege to be upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service, as previously, all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, error and ignorance, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. I present the service into your godly hands in the name of our Pastor Arkady, and we pray that you continue to lead it with a mighty and powerful hand, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls, returning to the old path of good. This is the title that Pastor Arkady gave this revelation that he has worked on, and the revelation that the Lord had put into his heart even from his young age from his young days where the, he would ask God questions and God would respond and so these are the labors of our pastor that reveals the essence of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that reflects and is present from the start of the book of Revela of Genesis to the book of Revelations. We will be abiding today in the teaching that is poured out throughout all of the Holy Scriptures, and we will be confirming this <clears throat> looking at the Scriptures. And so returning the opportunity to find it or to return to this old path of good is the opportunity to come into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate, which is in scripture a definition, an elementary teaching, or more accurately, the governing teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Matthew 7, 13, 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as we noted earlier, to return to the old path of good or find the narrow gate in the teaching of Jesus Christ is not something many achieve. And this, per the many statements of Christ, means that not many who do to their stiff neck and ignorance will find the narrow gate in the elementary teaching of Christ, but will instead they will inherit eternal destruction. But those who will humble their heart before God and will become his students so that he can enter the narrow gate, which is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, they will inherit eternal life. 
As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successful in short and exact definitions to form the consistency of the order that exists in the teaching of Christ. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. And we will be reading, of course, this in the elaborated format in which Pastor has presented it <clears throat> so that we can actually see the depths of the beauty that it contains and we understand that every time we read the Bible <clears throat> in in our in any language that it may be in Russian or German or whatever it may be Ukrainian and so this is something that this place of scripture someone translated it from one language to another and we don't know how close these people are to the Holy Spirit to <clears throat> translate from the Greek or from the Hebrew you need to know not just the language you need to be led by the Holy Spirit to be able to translate its essence and so you ask people ask today why do we need apostles today because we read the translated version and we need an apostle that can explain it and put everything in its correct categories I don't want to read the translations of just any man, I want to understand the essence and what the Holy Spirit has put there. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary principle of Christ and clothing yourself with armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will build ourselves into a house of God because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of the hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment. <clears throat> And so this foundation can only, lay be, can only be laid once. If a person loses this foundation, then uh, you cannot lay it again. The building can be burned down, but the foundation is still there. If the foundation is destroyed because of wickedness, it's not because a person just committed any sin, but this is when a person resists God, God's order there's then a crack in the foundation and it is difficult then to fix this foundation. The symbol of the four rivers that flow from Eden to water the garden, these are the four base elementary teachings of Jesus Christ and each of these contain a trinity of various functions which all together make up twelve functions. <clears throat> Studying the doctrine of baptisms we've noted that it is one in the essence that all three forms of baptism submerge us into the death of the Lord Jesus, but fulfill various functions. And so again, they are one in the, in the essence that they submerge us into the death of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they fulfill various functions, different functions. The main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of water is to separate a person from the world which lies in evil. The main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to separate us from the sinful life of our fathers. And the main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of fire is to separate our new man from the old man. Matthew 3.11 I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
The purpose of each of the three baptisms, apart from their primary function, separating the one from baptism from the other, there is yet another series of purposes that do not work one without the other, since they are dependent upon one the other and identify the truthful nature of one the other. In a particular format, as much as God has allowed and the measure of our faith, we have already studied the doctrine of the baptism of water. Therefore, we will immediately turn our attention to the study of the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which within the foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem is made of the precious sapphire stone and is the second foundation. Revelations 21.19 The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The second foundation, sapphire. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, second foundation, Sapphire. However, before we pay attention to the abilities consisting in the second foundation of sapphire, representing the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need to at least, in short, pay attention to the individual Holy Spirit himself, who is called to generate this baptism by the means of consisting in the death of the Lord Jesus because the Holy Spirit is the third individual of the Godhead. At the same time, the baptism is the work of the Holy Spirit, which He does by the command of the Heavenly Father, the first individual of the Godhead. By the means consisting in the death of the Son of God, the second individual of the Godhead. Acts 1, 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Holy Spirit is perhaps the most mysterious individual of the unity of the Godhead, belonging to his third hypostasis. Due to ignorance, some of the children of God are inclined to perceive and sometimes even claim that the Holy Spirit is not an individual, but that this is a kind of breath of God or His energy as something faceless and unidentifiable, not having a form. But even becoming slightly familiar with Scripture, it becomes clear that this is a misunderstanding, and it has much deeper roots than just ignorance. It is simply the darkening of the mind and the takeover of specific territories of the mind by the spirit of deception. The scriptures say very specifically, John 14, 16, 17, And I, Jesus, will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. According to this and other numerous places of scripture, the comforter or the spirit of truth is an individual and is not some sort of faceless energy. The Holy Spirit shares one nature with God, the Father and God the Son, as well as a common intention and pursues a a common goal, although when pursuing this common goal, each of them accomplish a different function or a different role. In this way, the Godhead is one. God the Father is the thought containing His goals and His will. God the Son is the Word revealing the goals and will of God. And God the Holy Spirit is the power that makes this Word real or active. 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the thought, the word, and the action. And we've, we were talking to Pastor yesterday, and he says, as we have these revelations in our mind, we rule over them. But when these thoughts we begin to confess with our mouth, then we utilize the power of the Holy Spirit, and these revelations and thoughts begin to rule us and correct us perfect us and so while it these are in our mind we will not see these changes but when these thoughts we begin to confess them with our mouth then this gives the Holy Spirit the ability to take this word and to correct us change us the Father Son and Holy Spirit the thought the word and the work or action of the Holy Spirit and so if we want to see any work actually happen we need to confess. You, people say, well, I meditate, I go to cell group, I, but you have to pray. You need to confess this with your mouth so that the Word of God can begin to work in you. First John 5, 7, 8. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. The Father, Word, and Holy Spirit demonstrated Himself in spirit, water, and blood. And so, water, the Word of God, that God passed on to His Son and to shed His blood. And He, of course, had to do this using the power of the Holy Spirit. Water, the Word of the Father, and the blood demonstrated in the blood, the blood of the Son and the Holy Spirit, who will allow Him to go to the go upon, upon the cross or die upon the cross. Within the relationship of the three individuals of the Godhead, there is a holy hierarchy, the head of which is God the Father. Although each of the three individuals of the Godhead independently have their own specific functions, the function of one can never be accomplished by the other. The nature of God simply does not have such a predisposition. Therefore, when speaking of the goal placed by God the Father, all three individual individuals always work in unison or operate collectively. Daniel 4.17 This decision is by the, de- the, by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the Holy One in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he wills and sets over it the lowest of men. Here it speaks of the it, it speaks of the watchers, and they are one. Although they are one, they still have their own role, their own functions, and the one does not fulfill the function of the other. In the book of prophet Isaiah, there is a unique place of scripture where it specifically and clearly opens up God's hierarchy consisted in the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isaiah forty sixteen. Come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. I was there, and now the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me. And so the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me. And so Christ, through Isaiah says, the Lord has sent me, God has sent me, and His Spirit. And so the three, it is specifically in this image and likeness did the did our God create us or create man who is a combination of the spirit, soul, and body? And so when people say God is one and that there's not a Godhead, 
And so they say, well, if someone turns off the light and God died upon the cross, then who will turn it back on? And so this is foolishness, the foolishness people have come to in their mind. God is one, but he is three. And he created us in in his likeness. We have the spirit, soul, and body. Genesis 1.26. We see in ourselves the three hypostases of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. About other of God's creation, he has not spoken the same things, because they don't have the hypostasis of the spirit. They have a soul, and they have a body, animals, cattle. We are also God's creation. But we as a creation, we're different in that God has breathed his breath into us and his essence is in us. His essence is the spirit and we became as gods. According to the given place, we conclude that all three individuals of the Trinity participated in the creation of man. In Scripture, each of the three individuals of the one God independently reveal and demonstrate themselves in the Word of God. You can only see them again in the Word of God, the revelation of the Word of God. They are concealed in this Word. But specifically in the third hypostasis of God, as nowhere else do we see demonstrated with specific power God's nobility and humility, specifically the Holy Spirit, who does not do anything in his own name or by his own name. All that he does and all that he says, he takes from Jesus and praises it. This is how God's humility is. He is not concerned with himself. He he is not zealous for himself, but is zealous for those for whom the Father and Son is is zealous, as it is written. The Spirit who dwells in us yearns just yearns jealously James 4 5 each of the three individuals possess concern and zeal for one another in their nature and tries to fulfill the will and desire of the other God the Father anticipates the the desires of the Son and makes those desires a reality by the means of the power of the Holy Spirit Colossians 1 5 through 7 15 through 17 he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. The Father created all things for him and in him. How much does the Father love his Son? We are here because the Father loves his Son, if you can imagine. He made us from clay. He breathe his spirit into us only because he loves his son Jesus Christ and he created us so we be in the likeness of Christ because of the love he has for Christ not because we are so special or because it was such a good clay you need to do something out of make something out of it no he created the clay also but because of, of his son and He made him in the image of this clay as well, and then baked it, and then broke this vessel for our sake. 
this is the love of the Father to the Son. The Son of God, in turn, is zealous for the Father and finds the greatest bliss in doing the will of his Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. John 4.34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. However, to perform the will of his Father and perform his work is something the Son can do only because the Heavenly Father anointed him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because doing the will of the Heavenly Father, even for the Son of God, is not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the third individual of the Godhead. Therefore, for the Son of God to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father is always a mutual collaboration of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God, by the Holy Spirit, anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This anointing in the form of the Holy Spirit clothed him with power so that he walked doing good work and healing all who were possessed by the devil. Looking at these actions which reveal this anointing, we can conclude that God was with him. Why? Because with Jesus was the Holy Spirit. If he was doing this work independent of the Holy Spirit, And you may ask, well, how is this? It's very simple. A person will then do not what the Father tells him. He says, I do only what my Father tells me or shows me. That's what Jesus would say. The Holy Spirit has indicated to him who to say heal in Bethesda when he healed the gentleman. In other places, he healed more people and because they had faith and he saw the faith in them and he determined again who needs to be healed by listening to his father through the Holy Spirit as a matter of fact these words are present in the final words of Christ to his disciples before he was taken from their sight to the father Acts 1 4 through 9 and being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore then, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put into his own own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now... When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Why not talk about the signs of the times and the times of, but he said the Holy Spirit will tell you. You will receive the Spirit and he'll tell you. And how will he tell you? The date and month? No, he will prepare you by giving you the word that Jesus has left. What good is it if we have the date or what or what month, what 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 hour, what time? And people, if they find out about this, they'll they'll go right past it. <clears throat> to be timely is to collaborate with the power of the Holy Spirit, and not be specifically interested in the exact day or time. Jesus says, be vigilant. The lamps need to be burning. 
That means you need to add oil. You need to be continually dependent on the Holy Spirit who exists and lives within the Word, the Word of God that, the, that He reveals. The power of the Holy Spirit, what is this? This is the might of the Father, strength of the Father, the opportunities of the Father, the abilities of the Father, the specific goal of the Father, the holiness, the muscle of the Father, the right hand of the Father, the glory of the Father, the robe of the robes of power descending to the heels. And so this is as the robe of authority justification that is in our life. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Looking at the given thought, we conclude that not the Son of God, nor understandably a person, is able to dispose or manage anointing as they see fit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11-13 But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew, nor, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11-13 A person, for example, wants to be a hammer. But the, the Lord says, well, I don't want you to be a hammer, I want you to be the shovel. Or if someone wants to be the shovel the other way, he, I want you to be a hammer. We need to look at what the Holy Spirit, how He, how, how he will lead us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> in the ruling teaching of Jesus Christ is the second and was made of the precious stone, sapphire, the second foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem was made of sapphire. Studying the scriptures, we, we will see that the precious sapphire stone, identifying the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, appears specifically there where God says something by the means of the Holy Spirit or where God does something by the means of the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, where, does the, where do we see the sapphire? We know it belongs to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit uses His abilities and it, he, it, he demonstrates him or demonstrates his work specifically where uh, God will either say something or do something according to his word. <clears throat> you will always see this um, element of sapphire in that. <clears throat> Exodus 24, 9, 10. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. He called them to speak with them, with the high priests, with the priests, with Moses. He called them to have fellowship with them, and when they saw this, they saw the the sapphire stone or the glow of the sapphire stone this is where when the Lord reveals himself in his words and his actions and they're examined these actions are examined according to his word if we do the work that does not have the shine of the sapphire stone then this will tell us that this is a dead work And under his feet was 
this work as of a sapphire stone, and it was a very heavy. It was the very uh, the clarity was like the heavens themselves. We will pay attention to the fact that under the feet of God is the result of someone's work made of the material of pure sapphire. We know that in the tabernacle of Moses, all the areas underfoot or bases in the sanctuary, which the tabernacle of testimony was established upon, was made of pure silver, which symbolizes the work of the pure sapphire in the form of the pure blood of, of the cross of Christ and that the Son of God gave himself without blemish to God by the means of the personified sapphire in the form of the Holy Spirit, as it is written, Hebrews 9, 13, 14. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so here we see the sapphire. According to this place of scripture, we conclude that only in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the purifying blood of the cross of Christ, which is in the likeness of the pure sapphire, this pure sapphire can cleanse our conscience from dead works so that we in turn can become in the eyes of the Heavenly Father pure sapphire and serve the living and true God. And so the blood of Jesus Christ, which by the Holy Spirit, he brought himself to God pure and upright. And so he cleanses our conscience from dead works. And when our conscience is cleansed from dead works, then we can uh, serve the true and living God. We can have uh, this beauty of the sapphire in ourselves. And the Lord sees this beauty in our spirit, but we will we won't see it until we see it in the word and once we fall in love with this beauty we accept it and we understand what the blood of christ does and that this blood cleanses our conscience from dead works that this is a precious blood and in it is the glow of the holy spirit and so we saw the sapphire from what we've read Remember, we are talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, all those who speak in tongues or who have the desire to speak in tongues, because this is given in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues, but absolutely not use the power that is contained in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because this is not simply just speaking in tongues, it's in the shine of the sapphire. And so if we speak in tongues, and we don't have this glow or shine of the sapphire, then our conscience, our spirit, is not cleansed from dead works. We don't have the shine of the sapphire when the Lord Lord speaks through his word. And you just speak in tongues. It It will not benefit you in any way without collaborating with this word. We need to understand that in our speaking in tongues, we have this glow of the sapphire. My conscience is cleansed from dead works. But this is not all. Further, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God redeems us with the blood of Christ from the sinful life of our fathers, which was our inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 18-21, we're talking about the precious blood of Jesus Christ that by the Holy Spirit brought himself upright before God. In his blood is the sapphire stone. It cleanses us from our conscience from dead works. So we not be these evil religious individuals who try to earn their salvation not just 
uh, not receiving salvation. So you then uh, through earning or other other ways. But my father, who bore me, and the mother that held me, she also is wanting rights in my spirit, symbolically here. And so, the one that you will need to have and to make the changes within you, you need to collaborate with not with the father that is the spiritual father that will be caring for you and be and in whose heart you will be for years and years and years as you learn and as you grow. They protect us, they bless us, they they plead for mercy for us. And not because they're just holding us, but because we're actually in their hearts. We see in the blood of Jesus Christ, why are we saying this? We see in the blood of Jesus Christ the sapphire shine. First Peter one eighteen through twenty one, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. We know what the we have the knowledge of what the blood of Christ is. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through with through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that you, your faith and hope are in God. 1 Peter 1, 18-21 Looking at the valuables contained in the blood of the cross of Christ, making up our true inheritance in the Holy Spirit, David called uh, on the worshippers of God to worship at his footstool, which was the work of the Holy Spirit of pure sapphire. Let us go into his tabernacle, let us worship at his footstool. Psalm 132, 7 The footstool of the Lord was in the likeness of sapphire, pure as as the heavens themselves. And David says, let us go and worship at his footstool. There is the blood of Christ where the sapphire stone is reflected. Let us go cleanse our conscience from dead works. Let us go deny the sinful conduct passed on to us from our fathers. Let us thank God for the genetic line that we've received from him. Let's thank God that he has clothed us and he has betrothed us with his Zion. Let us worship before this blood. To worship before this blood, this blood needs to shine with the shine of the sapphire. Without the Holy Spirit, it's not possible to do this because the Holy Spirit allows the shine of this sapphire and the blood of Christ in us. Further, we speak of the sapphire to comfort his nation during a battle with raging elements of unbelief. God, through prophet Isaiah, prophesied, O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems, and lay your foundations with sapphires. Isaiah 54, 11. How will he do this? By the power of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit called to? Not just speaking in tongues. At the time of, of battles and, and raging elements, we need to have this foundation of sapphires, otherwise we will not be able to stand. Why is it that many people who stood here and were here for years left? Because they didn't have this foundation. The pr- this prophecy indicates the fact that the footstool of God, of work of pure sapphire, present in the sanctuary of our heart, the result of our faithfulness to God, demonstrated amongst the storms of sorrow and misfortune from the side of organized powers of darkness in the form of our flesh, the wicked and the world which lies in evil. 
Here's where the sapphire shows itself. If they ask you what the sapphire is, this is a conscience cleansed from dead works. What is a sapphire? Sapphire is being freed from the sinful uh, life of my fathers, being delivered from it. This is sapphires when I demonstrate my faithfulness to God. Further, the sapphire, just as the jasper was present upon the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, by the means of which God communicated with man, and man can hear his voice. And if the voice of the jasper in the first foundation upon the breastplate of judgment of the high priest is the revelation of truth, called to make us free from the power of the world, the voice of the sapphire upon the breastplate of judgment of the high priest in the revelation of the truth. This is the revelation of the truth called to make us free from the power of the sinful inheritance inherited by us from the sinful life of our fathers. And so this is the same connection that we see here. And so if we have not been delivered from the sinful life of our fathers, then how can God speak with us? Likely, he's not speaking with us at all when he is not doing this work. God speaks with the person as a high priest who came in, and he came in, and upon his breast, upon his chest, was this breastplate with the precious sapphire stone. And this is not all. When Prophet Ezekiel had a vision of the glory of God, whose throne moved upon four wings of the wind, or upon the four cherubim, then the throne was in the likeness of the throne made of the precious sapphire stone. Ezekiel 10.1 And I looked in there, in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubim, there appeared something like a sapphire stone having the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Considering that the tongue in our essence is a tool by which all of our essence is controlled or regulated, looking at this allegory, we conclude that the Holy Spirit in the sanctuary of our heart can control our tongue upon one condition. If within our heart there will be a throne of pure sapphire in the form of a good conscience that is cleansed by the sprinkling blood of Christ from dead works. And so the Lord has placed his throne. And we need to understand how the Lord puts a throne in our spirit is when he cleanses our conscience from dead works. How does he put his throne in our soul when we, when he renews our mind with the spirit of our mind? And how does he place his throne in our body when we, when he gives us the ability to have a meek or gentle tongue that speaks of a gentle heart? And so when the sapphire is present, that means we're able to utilize now our mouth. We have this throne from sapphire. Further, we continue talking about the sapphire. All this beauty is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All who speak in tongues and desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues need to know this truth. They need to be familiar with all of this beauty and reflection of the sapphire. Further, in the book of the Sons of Solomon, Songs of Solomon, the most beautiful of women praises her beloved, sings of his body, as a carved of as a carving of ivory inlaid with sapphires. Songs of Solomon five ten fourteen. My beloved is white and ruddy, chief among ten thousand. His hands are rods of gold set with beryl, his body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. 
and so his hand or his body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires <coughs> and so you can't over uh, inlay it with any kind of uh, the sapphires into any kind of material but specifically into ivory and so how how do we understand this so we have access to the sapphire the body in this situation is the inside the belly the womb which indicates the quality and state of the inner world which the beloved has and that we need to have that our inner state be a carving a work of ivory what is a carving or work of ivory this is a symbol of the faithfulness of the son of god to his father that is shown and strengthened in trials to the death and the death of the cross therefore so that our insides like the son of god would be inlaid with sapphires it is first necessary to place yourself in absolute dependence upon the holy spirit so that he can carve our inner man of ivory only ivory representing faithfulness to the unearthly order of god demonstrated by us in our obedience to the truth can serve as a foundation for the Holy Spirit to inlay this faithfulness with sapphires. And so what is this ivory faithfulness that is within our heart? And how do you, as you have kept my word to persevere, I'll keep you from the coming trials. I will, in, I will inlay uh, you with sapphires, your faithfulness. Considering this principle, it is necessary to always remember that all that God has done from eternity, what He does today, and what He will continue to do all eternity, He will do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, any power that is not the power of the Holy Spirit is adversarial to God, resists God, and confronts God. This is specifically why in all men who come to Him, God first subverts by the power of the Holy Spirit all that they rely upon or trust upon. My house, my relatives, my nation, my personal intellect, all that resists the Holy Spirit. To receive the right to this beautiful sapphire, all of these things need to be removed because what we rely or trust upon is our strength, our trust, our worship, and as a result also our God. Considering this fact, every time the scriptures speak of the power of God, it is always referring to the power of the Holy Spirit. The next thing that the power contained in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called to do is to attach us to the virtues that are contained in the name of the gatekeeper who is written upon the foundation of sapphire. Revelations 21 14 now, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb Therefore to have a complete summarization of the abilities contained in the baptism of the Holy Spirit It is necessary for us to study the name of the Apostle who is written upon the second foundation made of pure sapphire Let us Look at who this Apostle was Matthew 10 1 2 and when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, <coughs> who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Looking at the given testimony, the name of the apostle written upon the second foundation of pure sapphire is Andrew. 
the brother of Simon Peter, who, unlike the rest of the apostles, first became familiar with Christ and after brought his brother Simon to Christ. And so they call him Andrew, the first called, because he's the one who met Christ first and then brought Simon Peter. And even though Andrew brought Simon Peter, Simon Peter was the first foundation and Andrew was the second. It is quite remarkable that although Apostle Andrew was included in the closest circles of Christ, we do not have any books that would personally be written by Apostle Andrew to the church. The name Andrew means courageous and strong, which indicates the fact that the character that his name possesses is symbolically the quality and role of the Holy Spirit, which leads people to God and inspires them to fulfill their calling. The Holy Spirit never does anything from his own name and never shows himself. Being the glory of the Father and Son, he never seeks his glory for himself. He always functions and speaks from the name of the Father and the Son and pursues only their interests. The crushing power of the Holy Spirit, together with his nobility and humility that is of of an unearthly origin, we see in the simplicity of the dove. These are those qualities that we are called to partake in in the death of the Lord Jesus being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Another amazing image that we see here, where this beauty of the sapphire is shown here. If a person speaks in tongues, but he doesn't have these qualities of simplicity and nobility, this humility, as well as the crushing power of the Word and the Holy Spirit, this person is not praying then in tongues. He is not connected to the baptism. You need to have the crushing power of the Holy Spirit and have nobility and have humility that is of unearthly origin. The little and scarce information that we have about about the service of Andrew as an apostle speaks of the fact that he had quite a close and friendly relationship with Apostle Philip whose name we will be discussing in more detail when we will be studying the fifth foundation, symbolizing the covenant of salt. The name Philip means a lover of horses. And so again, he symbolized the covenant of salt. And so in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we make a covenant of salt. In the baptism of water, we make a covenant or contract in the covenant of blood and the baptism of fire. We make a covenant with the. Uh, we make a covenant of peace with God. Covenant of blood. In this case, and so the name Philip means a lover of horses. Let's. Uh, we're going to speak a little bit about Philip as well, because Andrew uh, is not shown as much, and his relationship with Philip, though, is shown. His friendship with him, and. And they always and frequently were together and did things together. And so, Philip himself is a lover of horses, a horse of battle. A horse of battle, in the definition of the name Philip, is a symbol of the covenant of salt, reflecting the collaboration of our holiness with the holiness of God. Mm -hmm. 
And so again, a horse of battle is a symbol of the covenant of salt. And the covenant of salt is present in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the collaboration of our holiness with the holiness of, of God. In the baptism of wa- of blood, or in the covenant of blood, I receive the Lord's holiness. And so the covenant of salt is connected to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The covenant of salt is connected to the Holy Spirit. The moment where we collaborate our, our holiness with the holiness of God, utilizing this horse of battle. With this, we need to consider that holiness without the power of the Holy Spirit are dead works of religion, testifying to the fact that our conscience is not cleansed from dead works. Looking at the relationship of Andrew and Philip, it is evident that there is a special relationship, there's special friendship between the two of them. John 12, 20 through 26. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And so Greeks among those who came to worship. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip come, came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he, he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor. And so he, they told him, Jesus, they told Jesus, they want to see you, and they, he began to prophesy about how the holiness of man needs to collaborate with the holiness of God. And so incredibly, the power that is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, as Andrew together with Philip, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in friendship with the covenant of salt. Everything that was written here it is written about the covenant of salt. It is noteworthy that in this event, the Greeks did not address their request directly to Christ, although they could have done this, but instead they turned to Philip. Philip, instead of bringing them to Jesus or himself telling Jesus about the request, goes and tells Andrew. And after he tells Andrew, they together go and tell Christ about the request of the Greeks. In the given situation, if the name of Apostle Andrew opens the image and role of the Holy Spirit, then the name Philip opens the role of Christ as the middleman between God and man who fulfills and presents his intercession before the Father exclusively within the power of the Holy Spirit. Philip as a symbol of Christ, came to Andrew as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and together they came to the Lord. You see how intertwined the, these these people were and how saturated with this truth. The next moment where we see Apostle Andrew, or more specifically the consistency of his name, which contains the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is again tied to the name of the glorious horse of holiness contained in the name Philip. John 6, 4 through 10. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these people may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 
Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, symbol of the Holy Spirit, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And as soon as Andrew said this, then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Jesus knew what he wanted to do, and he turned to Philip, and immediately to help Philip, Andrew came to show the the boy who had the bread and the fish with him, because Philip said, how can we feed such a multitude of people, and Andrew, as the Holy Spirit, began to help him. We ask the question, why did Christ want to specifically test Philip and not one of the other of those that were present with him disciples? And why did the response come from Andrew? The answer that then prompted, if you remember the first time that Andrew and Philip came to Christ together, he began to prophesy. And in the second situation, uh, Andrew began to help Philip. And after Andrew had brought the boy, he, created, he, he had performed this great miracle and fed the multitudes. The answer is simple because within the power of, of a godly horse contained in the name Philip was the power of the Holy Spirit concealed in the name Andrew. Andrew needs to be in Philip. In, and so we need to have the Holy Spirit. This is the power that we need and that God used to, to perform great miracles to be able to demonstrate his great might and power in our life. And now we will look at a holy place of scripture that relates to partaking in the courage and power of the Holy Spirit. We will remember that no person, including the Son of God by himself, is able to clothe himself before God into the virtue of courage and power to fulfill his calling. Because to fulfill the calling that God has called us to, we need the courage and power of the Holy Spirit. Any other power that a man may have from his nature not only cannot handle such a task, but the opposite will get in the way of it being accomplished. So in the book of Prophet Zechariah, the Son of God, as the legitimate leader of the nation and hero, is presented in the symbol of the glorious horse of battle. Let us read Zechariah 10, 3-5. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the goat herds, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock. For him, for him, from him comes the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every regular, to, every ruler together. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. Zechariah 10, 3-5. And so what riders? <clears throat> People who do not use the power of the Holy Spirit. They also have horses, they also are seated on them, but one has power and the other does not. How do you receive power? We need to go a little bit back and fulfill this need to have the sapphire. How do we receive the sapphire in our life? We need to cleanse our conscience from dead works. We need to deny the sinful life passed on to us from our parents, this genetic code, and receive a different genetic code. We need to place the powerful Word of God 
and we need to have the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth and we need to be faithful to the Holy Spirit and the word that he has given and revealed and what happens the shine of the sapphire stone we receive power then that is needed to, for everyone who does speak in tongues this is a symbol of this this book of Zechariah that we just read is a symbol of a victor or conqueror who wins the battles of God. This is specifically why in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the death of the Lord Jesus and the victory over the sinful inheritance of the Father is linked to a horse of battle. The covenant of salt is linked to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Summing up this event, we can confidently say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not work without the glorious horse upon the field of battle. Equally, a glorious horse of holiness quits being so without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And right now we are going to pray, and I call every one of us upon this place to the altar, anyone who wants to possess the beauty of this unearthly sapphire all who speak in tongues but don't have the power to have power is the Lord needs to cleanse our heart our heart or conscience from dead works and dead works are things of course evil things things that we know of course that we know that are sins but it also means things that may be attractive and look right but the initiator of these things is not the Holy Spirit these are dead works Dead works can be evil and good. The inspiration, uh, it, it's just inspiration is not the Holy Spirit. We call you upon this place. We will pray together with you because we in some measure and in, in some way are guilty of these things. Let us pray. Oh, it's
I will be praying our prayer. And I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved us with an eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and lift us up to his level. Your eyes are closed. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a symbol that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, I open my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds inflicted by sin and lust that I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my illnesses, my fears, with dishonor and a pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, and protect me with the blood of your Son. And now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessings come that are the ancient hills and everlasting mountains. May the stronghold of death be destroyed and thrown out of your body. And may the stronghold of life be erected within your body. May all this come upon you and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen.
Let us hear the word of God standing. 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 32 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For the reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. Here it's talking about the fact that every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. And when we receive the body and blood, we need to discern about the Lord's body. We need to discern. We need to think about who He is for us, who we are to Him, and who has the right to participate in this wonderful service. All people who believe that Jesus is Christ, is born of God, and who absolutely have confirmed this with the baptism of water. These people are able to partake, as well as people that, if anyone's under warning or for any sort of thing, uh, please withhold yourselves, or if there's uh, there is nobody like that in our service, but if someone is a guest and in this situation, I would ask you to withhold yourself to discern the Lord's body. Let's, we need to talk about the order of God, and using this minute, uh, we will talk about the order of God. God's order, if if, for example, there is snow outside, don't you don't need to call one another asking if there will be, uh, if there will be snow. Uh, if there will be a service during the snow, if there's going to be a service or a church uh, happening. Everything will always be posted on the website. You can always check there to see if there will be a service or not. So we not need to call one one another. Uh, if the church is canceled and it will be at the, at the houses, you will be able to watch it on your TV, either 7 to 9 or 12 to 2. The whole church will be watching the service we will be as one command watching from home. It will be all shown on the website. Also, Apostle Arkady asked me to speak of the order that needs to be present during communion, or more accurately, after communion. First, before communion, of course. The request that you not bring the wine and, and bread into the children's room. Uh, 
And I ask uh, that you not bring it in. If you want your child to partake, to have this wine and bread, uh, please bring them into here, and they will be able to uh, take it and receive it here. Please understand that there's only one individual in that room that is caring for multi um, multiple children, and they cannot handle giving it to every child. So uh, please be considerate of this. It's a big responsibility when you're giving a small child uh, bread or wine. Uh, he, he, they either can spit it out. And so if a father or mother want, after the church is over, when we uh, proclaim our manifestation, uh, if anybody needs uh, to still give to their child, we could uh, have some available at the front that we can give after the service as well. Also, after communion, let's not gather in to uh, the kitchen. And so only those who may need some uh, wine and bread for their family member or someone who's sick at home, they can go in uh, And so they can go in and, and get the wine and bread that's needed for their for the family member that's at home. But children, they can uh, will have uh, bread and wine in the front, or bread that's available here at the front. And you, the children can come with their parent and come and get some bread at the front. And so again, for the kitchen, it's only for those who are needing again wine and bread for their relative or someone who is absent, not here, and needs it. And so anything remaining will be here at the front where children can take more if they if if that's what they desire and so I trust uh, that this is acceptable if there's going to be some other changes or correctives later Apostle Arkady will then pass it on if something doesn't work in some way this can also always be uh, corrected or changed so that there be some order order in the in the children's room in the kitchen and in the church itself and so the children already inherit the kingdom of heaven and uh, and so I'll ask the whole church to stand up and we will pray for the bread. Stretch out your right hand as a symbol and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ in the form of this bread when it will be passing by your people and when we will take of it and eat of it. May your might and your power and may it trample death and swallow it up within our bodies may our bodies be healed by taking part in eating this bread we thank you for the healing of our bodies and we worship before you and before this holy bread our great god son and holy spirit amen please be seated that road that is approached please stand take part please serve one another in doing so And you know, taking this opportunity, I would like to remind us of what we heard on Friday, what gives us the ability to abide in Christ Jesus. There are ten things that allow us to abide in Jesus Christ. First, uh, this is us, we become one uh, with the body. And so, abiding in Christ, we will be delivered from all condemnation that comes from the law of sin and death. The scriptures say this. 
Romans 8.1.2. And so it speaks in Romans about there's no condemnation and it's for those who eat this bread and judge themselves and doesn't judge another to not be condemned with the world. Abiding in Jesus Christ, we will have wisdom and we will have righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And these are all godly words and we will possess all of them. And so this is God's wisdom, His thoughts, His actions, this is, this is His righteousness, His sanctification in us. And so everything that is not uh, acceptable in religious places they don't understand how you can uh, receive the wisdom of God, what righteousness is, what redemption is, what sanctification, legitimate sanctification is. But we receive these things because we eat of one body and we drink of one blood. And we, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, the scriptures say you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And we will proclaim this death by taking part in the service. Third, abiding in Christ, we when we are in, we are abide in Him when we're in this bread and this and this wine, we become carriers of such a resurrection that will resurrect our bodies at the coming of Jesus. First Corinthians, fifteen twenty-two through twenty-three. For us in Adam all die; even so in Christ all shall made, be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruit; afterwards those who are Christ's at his coming. The resurrection has an order and we are within that order. This is when we become one because of this bread and this cup with Jesus Christ. Sometimes people say, I live in a very different country. I listen to your services. I am a member of this church. I, I rejoice with the saints. What do I do? The first thing the pastor says, find a living church where they sing psalms from the books where they receive bread and wine, find her. But they say there's not such depths there. Just find the church where there's communion. Find ch church where there's they sing psalms and where they speak in tongues. They may not have the truth, but you need to be connected to a church of God and listen to our services, of course. But find a body of Christ. Let us stand and we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cup of the New Testament that is poured out for the forgiveness of sin when it shall be passing by our people and we will take of it and drink of it may the might of your life be in us and it may it trample death and swallow it up in our bodies and our souls 
We thank you that you have blotted out our sins and our trespasses before your face and that you have delivered us from the sinful life passed on to us from our fathers. We worship before the cup of the new covenant, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The road, just as you were approached with the bread, please also stand and serve one another with the wine. And this is very important continuing to talk about the body of Christ that we find a church it's very important pastor said that he spoke with one holy person and he said pastor Arkady how do I determine whether I'm in Christ or not he says it's very simple to do and he said how you need to be in the body of Christ and he said how easy and how clear why don't they say this why don't they teach this to be in Christ is to be in the body of Christ to, to be one with Zion, to be one with the truth of God, to be under the covering of the shadow of the Almighty in His secret place. Being in the church is being in Christ. This truth is revealed to us, and we thank God for that, that we have this truth. And it is revealed to us the greater and deeper and wider, and we comprehend this truth. And this is all possible only partaking in the body every time or as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes and as often as we drink of this cup we drink it when we proclaim the Lord's death we don't drink it for birthdays or other feasts or celebrations Jesus says only and only only when you will do this in my remembrance people say can we drink alcohol only when you remember my death. Further, abiding in Christ, we will be independent of religion, nationality, social status, and gender, for, for there's no Greek, nor Jew, or any other nationality. And so what is this, what are we saying here? This is an example that we need to follow. And they say, you know that there's an, uh, you'll hear people say in a Pentecostal church not far from, far from us, they were uh, having a fight within the church. But here we have unity because we are in Jesus Christ regardless of what nationality we are one body yeah we may be speaking in Russian here as the sermon but uh, but there are a lot of German and Ukrainian and uh, of course Russian and other uh, very many different countries that people come from people who completely don't speak in in Russian and we respect the rights and uh, and of every individual person and will love and value each one and every holy person that's present and who is a member wherever they may be if there's someone that may have been accidentally passed by I'll ask you to stand so we may serve you if not before we finish our our service let us make one small announcement. I will ask Igor and Anna to come out here. 
This is not a groom, bride and groom. This is a husband and wife. They want to make a covenant with the church to be betrothed to the church, to become one with the church. They've been here for three months. They actually, they are in our service. They've attended for years. They're a member of our church in Ukraine. They were born there. But pastor said, even though you were a part of it, even there, you do need to attend three months here, the physical service, before becoming a member. And of course, and after these three months, if you still have this desire, I, and there's a lot you can hear for three months, and you can decide whether you want to be a member or not. What does it mean to become one with Jerusalem? You can only take your membership if you are in a cemetery. In, in the moment, Pastor said on that Friday, either I die in the church or a person leaves the church and says, pass on to this church that I'm no longer a member. This is a different cemetery. Also, a person dies. And as you heard, Pastor Arkady I will ask also Sister Yana to come out here, who wants to renew her membership. She was a member of our church, but for specific reasons, she left and was in a different state. Not looking at that fact, she has come back, and we uh, had a discussion with her as well, and they are righteous, holy, and pure. And and so our sister, she was also at, she was asked, do you agree that you can only part from us because because of death and she says I understand I made the decision and so I told Pastor Kadi all of this he 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 he's aware and so let us now stand up and we will bless them let us stretch a right hand and we will receive them as our members Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you for our Saints that today have the desire and have made the voluntary decision to be to stand under your flags, to stand within your army, to become one with Zion, and to be betrothed with your Zion and the truth. We receive them in the name of Jesus Christ, and we bless them from this holy place. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you, the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, the blessings be on you. May upon you, this be in your children, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, warriors of Christ, we congratulate you. This is an army. And so there's no need to be coming here with any kind of volatile ideas or, or intentions. I speak this to those who may have these kinds of things out of here. And so let us speak our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and and forever. Amen.